0: too that I always tell parents is just because your kids are struggling doesn't mean you're a bad parent like look at you know take a step back and look at the world right now and everything that they're bombarded with from a social media standpoint to to success standpoint to grades now we throw in COVID uh, talk about navigating friendships and relationships our kids are going to struggle and they're becoming their own individuals and so even in that process it's it's a struggle in and of itself and so taking the the shame away of like I did something wrong no like it's this this is life. So I think a lot of times as parents and, and uh, you know and just in my work with, with moms, I think a lot of times we feel like we're you know the moms feel like they're holding it all together. I and mean, then if they admit that they're not doing okay, everything's gonna fall apart. And I would always challenge the moms that I work with is what if not admitting that you're not okay is actually what's uh, you know creating this to fall apart even more? Because your kids are picking up on the nonverbals, they're picking up on the emotions, they're picking up on the on the energy of the house. And if you put words to it, if you bring a meaning to it, then they actually can take a deep breath and go, "Okay, I'm not going crazy." Like mom is actually struggling.
1: Welcome to the Mother Honestly podcast. This is your host Blessing Adishio, founder and CEO of Mother Honestly. On this show we interview ambitious women that are thriving in and beyond motherhood. Expect honest and real conversations that will encourage and inspire you to take actions on your dreams. hello thank you so much for joining me on the mother honestly podcast my name is kristen hall i'm the ceo of mother honestly proudly recording today from motor city Woman studios in detroit michigan and i'm so thrilled to have on the podcast with me dr mark mayfield who is a brilliant licensed professional counselor a board certified counselor and founder and ceo of mayfield counseling centers mark thank you so much for joining me on the podcast we're excited to have you on and as i mentioned you are the second gentleman to join us on the podcast so Kudos to you for making the cut of men that we allow on the podcast, Um, but please tell our listeners a little bit more in your own words, you know, your experience, what you focus on in counseling, and
0: uh, we'll jump right into it. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you, Kristen, for having me. I, um, I'm, yeah, I've been a counselor for a while, but just a real heart for families and uh, teenagers uh, that are struggling, and um, I am a suicide survivor myself, and so having, you know, experience that really have a heart for working with uh, at-risk youth, teens that are struggling with depression, anxiety. Um, but as I have, you know, been a parent for the last 12 years and kind of stepped into some of this stuff myself, really have a heart for parents as well because uh, parenting in this age of, you know, uh, before COVID was hard enough. And now that we've got COVID, it's good grief. Like, um, you know, it's, it's definitely increased in difficulty. Uh, you know, my practice has grown. We've got 27, 28 therapists now. We've done about 2,200 uh, appointments last month, uh, all virtually, you know, via teletherapy, uh, but have a real heart to go out and speak to schools, work with uh, school administrators and teachers helping uh, kind of shore up their mental health uh, and during this time. And then, uh, you know, I've written a couple of books. One's, come, one's already out and another one's coming out soon. So,
1: and tell me tell us a little bit more about your books and then we'll jump into some of the work that you're yeah. doing right now with teens
0: and parents yeah the first book is uh, called uh, um, a suicide and self injury a parent's guide and it's just uh, um, walking parents a real short read helping parents uh, if they've figured out their kids are, are self-injuring or are suicidal like some practical steps of how to get help how to take care of yourselves as parents and to make sure your teens are safe and it's a free download free free ebook download and i can provide you with the pdf link it's Uh, It's more written for a resource uh, for individuals. The second book is called The Loneliness Epidemic, and it's really talking about the idea that many of our issues physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually are due to lack of close relationships and loneliness, and if we can figure out how to uh, get better at those things, a lot of the stuff that we deal with uh, will fade to the background.
1: That's awesome, and we'll include both the links for our listeners because this is such a a paramount topic that we need to talk about in so many ways. So I'm going to kick it off initially with, even today, and even with the amount that we see on social media and we see in the news, people are still very nervous, uh, especially parents, yeah. to talk about either their their own internal mental health struggles, and then when you bring up the struggles of their children, it's such a shame burden um, that parents still oftentimes place on themselves or don't feel comfortable addressing. You know, how how do you even approach that with with parents and how do we continue to normalize that mental health is as common as almost anything else and that it's so critical even before COVID and then we'll address you know, the, the chaos that's become COVID. You know, how, do we, how do we even start to have these conversations? When do
0: you see it? At what age are we noticing the depression and the anxiety with kids? Well, I think it, it, I, I talk a lot about creating a, a culture of openness and conversation at home um, and that starts from, from uh, you know, parents, caregivers, you know, whoever is, whoever is that adult in the home, you know, creating opportunities for conversation. And I think a lot of it starts with, with us as adults. That if we're not comfortable with these things, but we know that they're important, what are we doing to care for ourselves first? We can't, we cannot engage uh, our our kids if we're not taking care of ourselves. And I, th- I think the first step is. Uh, admitting that maybe you need somebody to talk to, whether that's a, a, a best friend, a mentor, uh, you know, uh, maybe it, it is a counselor, right? You know, and and I think there's that stigma that oh, if I go to counseling, I'm something's wrong with me. Well, no, like let's let's normalize something for a second, and and uh, all of us have issues, whether it's how we were raised, whether it was trauma from our childhood, whether it was poor choices, whatever whatever it might be. let's level the playing field for a minute and realize that it's not a shame. It shouldn't be shame-based. I know it is, but it shouldn't be a shame-based conversation um, because we all have something that we need to work on and grow through. And so I think the first step is to really ask, uh, what can I do to better myself so that I'm more available and have more margin and have more emotional margin, have more mental margin uh, to be able to pour into my kids? Uh, But the other thing too that I always tell parents is just because your kids are struggling doesn't mean you're a bad parent. Like, look at, you know, take a step back and look at the world right now and everything that they're bombarded with from a social media standpoint to, to success standpoint, to grades. Now we throw in COVID, uh, talk about navigating friendships and relationships. Our kids are going to struggle and they're becoming their own individuals. And so even in that process, it's, it's a struggle in and of itself. And so taking the, the shame away of like, I did something wrong. No, like, this, this is life. I think that's a great perspective because
1: I think we, especially, we see a lot with our moms, a lot with our dads, is that we measure our, a lot of success comes from the success of our children, which is its own kind of a little issue in that too. Um, But they're really struggling now because we used to have a control on, you know, there used to be more spheres in which we divided our day, the children are out of the house, we could kind of take care of ourselves this way now. And everyone kind of thought COVID was going to be a short-term thing, we just have to survive this first 30 days, this first 60 days. And now I would probably tell almost any parent, at least through 2020, you know, school's gonna look different. Your relationship with your spouse is going to look different. It's, it's. I don't know if this is the new normal yet, but we're all kind of going through it. Um, and so, you know, how, how do we deal with this with kids going back to school, being confident in our decisions, whether it's the right one for you or your family, you know, what are you seeing? What are you telling, you know, patients and clients on first the back to school issue?
0: Yeah, I really encourage them to take a step back and let's like, let's brainstorm, let's pro con it from their family culture standpoint. There's so many voices speaking into this decision right now. Uh, You know, you're a bad person if you don't send your kids back to school. You're a bad person if you keep them home. You're, and I you know I try to help my my patients take a step back and say, "Okay, what is going to be the best for your family and and how how let's pro con that?" And there's not going to be an easy answer and there's not going to be like there's going to be the better of the two evils in some ways if if we look at it that way that you know we know that that kids need that social interaction and going back to school, but if they're you know a, you know have an immune deficiency or some kind of struggle, that's scary because you don't want them to get sick. But then what's the, you know, adverse effect. So it's weighing out those pros and cons. But then I work with a lot of families, you know, especially in this day and age that that are dual income families. And so both parents are working. And so they have, in in some ways, having kids go to school gives them an opportunity to continue to take care of the family financially. And if they're home, you know, what does that look like, you know, from a, a monitoring standpoint, from a education standpoint, from an emotional standpoint? And so sometimes the best answer is even in the risk of sending kids back to school so that the family can be taken care of. And so um, I always I really work hard at trying to tell families, you know, take a step back, turn off the noise, you know, uh, stay away from social media for a while. Don't ask your opinions of your friends. You know, you've got to make this decision uh, with those that are in your household. And if the kids are older, I would say, you know, nine or 10 or older, get their input as well. Get their buy-in as well this is helping them create resiliency and grit and development of kind of that, that cognitive, emotional development that helps them grow as as individuals and future adults. So, um, but I think to step back, there's not gonna be a, a two plus two equals four answer, uh, which I wish many, many people wish there were, you know.
1: But even that, I think you've touched on something that a lot of times, you know, I always tell people I'm writing down a ton of notes when I'm listening to, you know, our our interviews and that, one, I love that, you know, making it only, for the most part, a household decision, in-laws are going to have very strong feelings, friends are going to have very strong feelings, and to engage your children, I think that's a really powerful statement right there and I think it's really being overlooked right now so I would encourage for our listeners if you do have children that are you know closer to that 9-10 age range are you encouraging them and engaging them in the discussion and I think a lot of the times it's something we've seen um, you know I teach riding lessons on the weekend and one of the things I've struggled with a lot is the you know horses are a hard are a hard sport and it's an animal but they don't have the grit and the resiliency. So when the pony goes off to you know, eat the grass, they're looking at you like, I could do something. And I'm like, it's an animal. You you need to toughen up a little bit. And that's a hard thing to teach. So this is one of those areas, again, that we can begin to teach that grit and that toughness. So I appreciate you bringing that up. And one of the other things we're really seeing, you know, initially from our, our listeners and those in our Mother Honesty community, they were they were pretty good, I would say, April, March, march april may timeframe and then now we're really seeing a very very strong decline in their mental health because it's there's no outlet there's no release and now you know we could get through summer we could the kids would go back to school we'd be okay and so mothers and parents you know your marriage doesn't look like what it used to look like your co space may not look the same that it does and people are really really struggling individually with the stress and anxiety um, and we just had a podcast listening the other day uh, a little earlier that said if her company instead of offering you know mental health benefits offered supplemental child care, she wouldn't need the mental health benefits. So what do we how do we help moms that are you know are trying to manage it all during this time? like it's I think we touched on it a little bit, but you're not going to get through it all, but we're I, I'm almost terrified by the decline in mental health that I've seen in the
0: last month. I am too. And and I think one of those things is, and this sounds so, so, you know, so simple and so trite, but like, it's, it's okay to admit that you're not okay. Like, like admitting that you're not okay, the world's not going to fall apart, but it's, it's calling out kind of the what is, you know, and especially if you've got older kids, it's, you know, and again, that, that eight or nine, 10 plus having those conversations, you know, and letting your kids know where you're at and how you're wrestling with this and struggling with this. I think again, that teaches emotional reciprocity, that that teaches, you know, uh, putting a priority on being honest and about our mental health. Um so I think a lot of times as parents and and uh, you know and just in my work with with moms, I think a lot of times we feel like we're, you know, the moms feel like they're holding it all together. I and mean, then if they admit that they're not doing okay, everything's gonna fall apart. And I would always challenge the moms that I work with is what if not admitting that you're not okay is actually what's uh, you know creating this to fall apart even more? Because your kids are picking up on the nonverbals, they're picking up on the emotions, they're picking up on the on the energy of the house. And if you put words to it, if you bring a meaning to it, then they actually can take a deep breath and go, "Okay, I'm not going crazy. Like, mom is actually struggling, and and she's admitting that. Okay, like now we can all take a deep breath and figure out." You know a game plan, and that's where um, having a, a good support system—you know, whether it be virtually or, you know, if if possible, wherever this you know, they are in the country—to to find ways to engage in different rhythms, where you know it's okay to take time for yourself, ask time for time for yourself, and get get those those rhythms readjusted. Great point, and I. I like that you hit on that you
1: know, a lot of times we try and hide what's going on and we think that others aren't picking up on it. But you're, you're mentioning an issue, and I think then it, it's, it's showing up in the kids as well, is that if mom mentions that or dad that they're not okay and that they are struggling, we can begin to have those conversations. But a lot of the times now, everything's trying to be kept in these little separate emotional boxes. Um, that you know we're seeing issues come up with kids especially as they're being isolated from their friends you know they're not going to camp they're not going to school so at the one level we have it with you know mom's not going to the gym or seeing friends or going to the office or whatever it may be it's the same at the next level for your children that they're experiencing issues issues but they may not have the age or the developmental coping skills to deal with this isolation you know how how do we help our kids right now that are really going through some pretty pragmatic changes in, in their lives?
0: Well, I think that it goes back to the first question you asked is, you know, how do we, what do we do? And I think if we're prioritizing ourselves as parents to get help or to get support, uh, then we can help provide meaning and and make meaning for our kids. Uh, So for example, like, you know, I, I had a lot of, we had a lot of family things planned, you know, through spring and through summer. Uh, traveling, speaking, and I, I bring my family with me when I go out and speak. And we had to cancel uh, England and New York, and we had to cancel a, a family, a marriage, you know, a family member getting married, and then this, that, you know, seeing family and that kind of stuff. And I could have just said, "Well, this is just COVID. Let's, you know, let's deal with it and be fine." But I sat down with my girls and said, "This really sucks," and and Daddy is feeling, and I put word, you know, emotional words to it. And And to be honest, I cried, you know on a couple of these things when we were supposed to go see family and whatnot. and And so my girls seeing that and really recognizing, okay, Daddy's feeling this way, so it's okay that I feel this way. And helping them put put words to it, I think is a is a really important piece because you you alluded to this same kind of developmentally. A lot of times emotionally, our our kids feel these these big emotions just like we feel them, but they don't have the ability cognitively right now to put meaning to it or to put words to it. And so that's where we come in as parents to go, like if you're a parent and you don't know how to do this, just start trying, like it doesn't have to be perfect. It could be messy and, and you figure it out, but creating those opportunities that go, okay, mom and dad are feeling this way. And so I'm allowed to feel this way too. And I'm allowed to talk about it. But I also think too, kids are gonna be acting out a little bit more. And so taking a step back as a parent and not being, like you're going to be grounded or you're losing these privileges, like take a step back and go, what is the need that is being communicated with the behavior? And most of the time it's grief, sadness, frustration, or anger based on the current circumstances. And so instead of being uh, punitive, you know, in discipline, I mean, discipline still needs to happen, right? That create discipline means to teach, you know, right? So we still need that, that structure, but being more communicative in, in, uh, conversation and, and and boundaries and helping your kids, you know, put meaning to it, it's going to be really important.
1: A lot of excellent, great points there. I think it's, you know, one, even we always say to mother honestly, uh, as a company, you know, done is better than perfect. People will always ask us, how are you getting things done in your corporate world? How are you getting them done? And we're like, you know, spit grit and duct tape. It's, I think people see it's this big thing. It's not. It's we're really trying to hold it together. And we've really tried to have these honest discussions that none of this is easy. And so to your point, just start trying. If you don't feel like you're you're hitting these discussions with your kids, it's an excellent, excellent point. Create those opportunities. And I think it's a reminder that I, especially one that I wrote down to share with my husband later, uh, you know, to not be as punitive about what's going on because there's a lot more behind it than just the you know, we need to kind of recognize that this is this is a big thing right now. And one of the other areas I wanted to touch on with the time that we have left in the episode is that, you know, unfortunately, we I don't feel like we spend enough time as a society really talking about, like, we, we're getting better talking about mental health, but we don't do a good job really talking about suicide or it's such a taboo subject. You know, if something happens in a family, it's covering it up. You have, you know, great personal experience with that what can you share with our listeners on this topic? And from your, your book, from your research, you know, this is a hard one to
0: discuss. It is. It's scary. I think a fear really creeps in with this one. And I think fear takes over. And so the fear is that if we talk about it, then they're going to be thinking about it and then it might happen. And that's such a fallacy because most kids already, you know, if they're the social media age or in school age, they've already heard about it from somebody. Uh, And so if we think about uh, the home as the place where a lot of these conversations need to happen because there's a safety there, or there should be a safety there, that then having these kind of age-appropriate conversations with our kids around, um, and, and that's the thing is I think we go from zero to 60. It's like we don't talk about mental health at all or we talk about suicide, and I'm like, well, there's there's like 100,000 a, a, a steps in between those two, so what if we started, you know, so when my girls were younger, and this is and granted, you know, uh, I might have to have a counseling fund for my girls because their dad, their dad's a counselor, right? But, like, you know, I, I've, you know, as soon as they are old enough to have conversations, we we're having conversations about some of these important topics about mental health and about emotions and about, um, you know, conversation around how they're doing. And so I started sharing my story with them in age-appropriate, you know, um, snippets. Now my oldest is is a teenager, and so I've had just a full-on conversation like here's what here's what Daddy was struggling with when I was twelve and thirteen, and here's what I chose to do because I didn't think there's any other options, but there are other options and and so I think it's you know your kids, you know you and and you know what kind of conversations they're able to have. Um, what I find though is that it, it is that all or nothing. And so a lot of the families that are, that are that I work with are are good families, well intentioned families they've never had a conversation about any of this stuff. And so now when they find out that their kid has, has chosen to utilize self-injury as a way to cope with something that was much deeper, you know, they're flipping out and there are they're, they're a lot of shame, you know, attached to it. I'm a bad parent, what, where did I miss this? And so we have to kind of you know, validate where they're at and then step back and go, no, like this is, they don't have uh, the, the tools right now. Let's help in- educate and engage, you know, tool development for you and for your, uh, for your kids. Um, But then there's, there's another side that we have to be really careful with too, is we don't want to sensationalize it. And so uh, what I've, you know, I've worked with school districts and those kinds of things. When, when, when a suicide happens in a school district, uh, you know, we've taught the media in our community and we've taught the school districts, you can, you can recognize, you can, you can recognize the death, speak to it, but don't hold an assembly. Don't, don't, you know, don't uh, sensationalize it in a way that gives somebody that's been thinking about it, go, oh, if I go out this way, you know, if I die by suicide, they're going to hold me as an assembly and I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be seen and known that way. Um, and so we've learned a lot in the last, you know, seven or eight years here in Colorado, just with our suicide rates, you know, in, in the Southern Colorado where I live pretty, uh, have, have decreased significantly because we've learned how to engage the community differently but this is not a community responsibility and i'm i'm a firm believer that that these conversations should happen in the home conversations about sex and drugs and mental health and suicide all these types of conversations should happen in the home should start in the home and then you know obviously it'll spill over into community but it's not the school's job or the community's job to have these conversations
1: I think that's excellent advice just from it even it was an interesting point because I haven't heard it framed that way from a community perspective or school district, district perspective because I think we become such a litigious society that we're ready to sue we're ready to do everything so people feel like okay if we just go out really big and address it we're not going to get sued we're not going to do that but you frame it really well that yes recognize it but don't hold an assembly don't glorify kind of what's happened we need to talk about it but at the same to your point that's a really great element that I haven't heard um, so that's one I'll definitely take to heart within my community here in Michigan on you know having kind of some of these discussions and ways in which to watch and help the community around me engage in these conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know for parents I think we're also seeing I think from any age this is a different year maybe it's not I, I never know now with COVID I think it's like the months have blended together but we are at least in our house talking, I have a f- almost five-year-old, and, you know, sometimes when I have the news on, we are, or even within family circles, you know, we're talking about death a lot more than we have, and especially the U.S. culture is very um, hesitant, I think, sometimes to address death as well, but it's something with COVID that we're, we're having to address more because it's so focalized right now, so how do you begin to have these conversations or encourage parents to say, hey, this is what's going on, um, this is what it means, and not you know dramatize the virus and what it is but saying it is a risk we're trying to control it you know what conversations have you seen around that?
0: I think you 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 talked about right there is just kind of calling out what it is you know and and saying this is you know this is COVID something to pay attention to and we you know we are a healthy family but we want to take care of those around us or you know or we have people in our family that aren't healthy in the way that they need to be and we want to make sure that we're caring for them too and Having, com- you know, I think having conversations about death is one thing, but I think what if we flipped the script a little bit and talked about having conversations about life. And so how do we, how do we live life well, knowing that death is inevitable, like I'm I'm an existentialist when it comes to kind of how I do therapy and that kind of stuff. And so death is kind of that, con- that constant in life that, that we have to, a lot of us just push aside because we don't want to talk about it. And and I get it. It's scary, you know, and I think a lot of times people are more scared about how they're going to die than than death itself, but like flipping the script and going, let's talk about life. So how are we going to live our life to care for our neighbor, to love the person down the street, to, to not be judgmental, to not, you know, to not, uh, you know, look down upon somebody because they're different than us. How do we engage those differences? How do we live life well? Uh, how do we create unity versus, you know, um, um division and and so you can have you can craft those conversations to make them about something and still make them um life-giving and positive again and
1: such a great reminder to live life well i think it's you know even that just changing the framework in which we view the negative to the positive makes a very big difference um Mm -hmm. mark thank you so much for being on the podcast today it's been eye-opening on so many levels I know our parents, our moms, our listeners are going to take a lot away from today's episode. So I'm, I'm so thrilled we could share so many great points and address such a tough topic that everyone, again, normalizing it, we're all going through, you know, the same experience. It may look a little bit different depending on house to house, but, you know, you're not alone. You're never alone. You know, if you're struggling, reach out to friends, family, us as the Mother Honestly community. There's a lot of great resources. Um, and don't be afraid to talk about your mental health right now. Mark, how can people continue to follow your work? How can they reach out to you? Yeah, what what's the best way to get in contact?
0: Yeah, so we have a podcast call uh, that's run three seasons called Candid Conversations with Dr. Mayfield. We just rebranded and we're starting a season four, but it's going to call be called the Therapist Invitation, and it's just a lot of conversations about what we've been talking about uh, today. Uh, they can follow me on uh, Instagram at the Dr. Mark um, or Facebook, but also. Um, my website Dr. Mayf- uh, drmayfield.com um, we'll have blogs and that kind of stuff as well but they can also reach out via email if they've got questions you' know, more than happy to, to answer and to engage the conversation
1: awesome we'll make sure to include that in all of our outreach as well so people know how to follow you it's been a, a wonderful conversation um, highlight of my day so far I think this is a really great one and I'm really excited that I got the opportunity to meet with you so thank you again so much for being a guest on the Mother Island S.A.L.E. podcast I wish you all the best, faith Stay safe, stay well, um, and look forward to talking with you again in the future. Thank you, Kristen. I appreciate it. Have a good rest of your day. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning into the Mother Honestly podcast. If you want more relevant content for the ambitious mom, head on over to motherhonestly.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Mother Honestly. Love our podcast? We want to hear from you please rate and review our podcast and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. We love growing at Mother Honestly, and your reviews help us grow. Stay safe, stay well, and always stay ambitious.